you're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell. I initially started this podcast to learn more about the ins and outs of travel. Eventually, I discovered there's so much more to a person than where they go. My goal is to learn more from people who are going places. I've interviewed community leaders, entrepreneurs, veterans, authors, and experts who tell fascinating stories and give amazing advice. Thanks for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to a very special episode. Today, I have Hala Taha on the show, and I wanted to share a little bit more about her journey before we dive in. So Hala has a very interesting story of two dualities. So she ended up working at a radio station called Hot 97 during school and after her college experience. She worked there for free. She ended up dropping out of college. And then coming back into school, she started a blog called The Sorority of Hip Hop. She almost had a show on MTV. And then she decided to go the corporate route, so she worked at HP. And while working there, she didn't get the job she wanted, so she decided to create her own path and started a podcast called Young and Profiting. Fast forward, she ended up becoming an executive at Disney Streaming. And after that, she took the plunge and became a full-time entrepreneur with her podcast, Young and Profiting. And I'm so excited to bring this episode to you. I am actually very... I have a very personal experience with Young and Profiting. I ended up working there for 10 months. I had an extremely incredible experience, and I can't wait for you to tune into this episode. In this episode, she'll give extremely incredible advice on content creation, how to launch a podcast, and how to have a successful social media presence. And I cannot wait for you to tune in. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell, and today I have a very special guest. I'm talking to Hala Taha. Hala is the founder, CEO, and host of Young and Profiting, and she was actually just featured on the cover of Podcast Magazine. She has made a huge mark in the LinkedIn and Clubhouse community, and she's also my boss. So I'm so excited to have her on. I'm absolutely grinning ear to ear. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Kara, I'm more than happy to come on your show. You are an amazing employee and researcher and podcaster, and I'm just so happy to support you. Thank you. Well, I'm so excited to learn more about your incredible story. I feel like I know so much about you. And so I kind of want to start with just how you grew up, because I know you grew up in a household full of doctors, but you kind of took this incredible path toward your journey in podcasting and the marketing world. So can you start with that when you knew I don't want to be a doctor. I want to do something else other than what I was supposed to do. Yeah. You know, it's it's so funny. I come from a family of doctors. Like you said, I have three siblings. They all went to med school. I have cousins who live down the street and three of them, and they all went to med school. And so my immediate family out of eight children, I was the only one who didn't become a doctor. And my parents, my dad was a doctor. Uh, my uncle was a doctor. Lots of pressure to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer in my family. There really was no in between and nobody was really an entrepreneur. And so I didn't have that kind of guidance. But you know what? I always was different. I always was somebody who loved to be in the limelight and, and have the shine. And, and my parents knew that they knew that I was different than everyone else because my interests were so different than my siblings. You know, I just wasn't interested in, in school in that way. You know, I really was interested in being a leader. And, and so, um, you know, for a while I was the black sheep, especially in college, when I was interning at Hot 97 and working for free, um, my parents really weren't happy. I actually dropped out of school. And my parents, like, they it crushed them. They felt like they failed because I dropped out of school. And I'm sure if you dropped out of school, your parents would freak out as well. Like, <laughs> like that's every parent's, like, worst nightmare, especially if they've, you know, their path to success was related to school, right? With my dad being a doctor, it was like education was everything. Um, and so I was the black sheep and it was really difficult for a while. And I kind of had to justify everything that I was doing. And I think one of the reasons why, you know, we can get into this later on, you know, I had this really popular website called the sorority of hip hop. And one of the reasons why I threw in the towel so early with that, even though we had achieved like really massive success, we almost had a show on MTV is because I just wanted my family to accept me. I just wanted to be successful enough where like I could go to family functions and not feel embarrassed about what I do. And I felt like 
I needed to go into corporate in order to fit in, honestly. And everything happened great in the end. And I'm really happy and fully aligned. But I just always wonder, like, what if I just always followed my gut? And where would I be now? You know, so it's it's interesting, but everything happens for a reason. Exactly. That is interesting. I want to touch on the entrepreneurial mindset because this is something I ask every entrepreneur that comes on my show. So what does the entrepreneurial mindset mean to you? Entrepreneurial mindset means really understanding that life is limitless, right? That you can be anything that you want to. And once you unlock that mindset and you truly believe that you're not too old, it's not too late, it's not too hard, it's not impossible, you start to see opportunities that other people don't see and people and, and, and things come into your life and you just realize that it's connected to your dream and you go and you take the right actions that you need to take. And so I would say having an entrepreneurial mindset is really believing in yourself that anything is possible, that you don't need a gatekeeper in order to succeed. You don't need somebody to open that door for you. You can create your own door. You can create your own lane. Even what I did with Young and Profiting Podcast, like I started it by myself. Now we're competing with podcasters who are in major, you know, networks and backed by hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's like, I built it on my own and we're competing with the big dogs, you know, but we built it on our own. And so anything is possible. And I think that is the entrepreneurial mindset. I love that. That was such a great response. And I think it's so fun to be working at yet because I see where we're going and it's just incredible to see even how far we've grown in six months. Isn't it crazy? Like every day, it's just like, we have this opportunity. This happened now. Oh my gosh, we got this. It's just every day is like a rush of new things. It's overwhelming, but that's what happens when you keep, you have good intentions, you work hard, you know, you strategize, you think critically, you make, you know, the right decisions. And when you believe in the and what you're doing, like I said, you see these opportunities that other people don't see. One of the reasons why Yap blew up is because we thought outside the box a lot of the times. We didn't have the money. And so we had to be resourceful and creative. And I think that's really what's helped elevate us. I completely agree. I want to backtrack just a little bit because I know that you started out behind the mic as a singer. And so I kind of wanted to talk about how your singing transformed and this creativity through singing transformed into podcasting. Yeah, that's a great question. And you obviously have done your research. So when I got this job at Hot 97, the reason why I applied to radio stations in college for an internship is because I was a singer and I was writing music and recording music. And I thought that this job at Hot 97 would help me become a singer. And I would push my music to the DJs. But then I quickly realized that, you know, I I was really talented at being an on-air personality and it was almost more realistic, even though I had a great voice. But when it comes to being a singer, it's like that's a 1% chance, probably 0.0001% chance of being the next Beyonce. Plus I wasn't like, I'm an okay dancer. I'm not like Beyonce when it comes to my dance moves. And I felt like that was really important. And like, that would have been a big uphill battle to like get my dancing skills up to par. And I just realized that there's other paths to success. And my whole life, everything I ever wanted to do really revolved around my voice. And I look back on it now and I like, can't even believe it. Actually, fun fact, um, when I had left the sorority of hip hop and closed down the blog because we didn't get the MTV show. I applied to 14 different speech language pathology schools. Cause again, I wanted to use my voice to help people, but I was rejected from them all. All 14 schools said no, wow. which is crazy, but thank God, because I would have been a speech language pathologist right now. And so again, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> That's crazy. It's crazy how the dots connected and it's cool to see from an outside perspective, just because you've had so many chances at success. And then this is finally happening at Young and Profiting where everything's kind of coming together. It's so crazy. It, It really is. So let's dive a little bit more into your work after, after you joined the marketing world you worked, you worked at Disney, but you also had this side hustle of LinkedIn networking. And that's kind of where it kind it grew so much. Can you talk about that as well? 
Yeah. So actually I started my LinkedIn journey two and a half years ago when I launched Young and Profiting Podcast while I was working at Hewlett Packard. And so it was my fourth year in Hewlett Packard. At the time, I thought I was never going to get back on a mic. And uh, something happened where I wasn't given an opportunity at HP. I was actually volunteering inside the company to be, I was the face of their young employee network and I was volunteering and I didn't get an opportunity. I was supposed to be the president of the global young employee network. And it was something I was working for, for almost three years, basically working for free inside the company to help improve their culture. And I deserved it, but they didn't give me the opportunity. And so again, I was like in this place where I was like, oh my gosh, I worked for free and now I'm left with nothing. And so I decided that I was going to create my own path. And that's when I decided to start Young and Profiting Podcast. And to promote Young and Profiting Podcast, I focused on LinkedIn. And actually my LinkedIn blew up way before the podcast did. So over the past two years, I've been steadily growing my LinkedIn and was definitely an influencer on LinkedIn before I was uh, a huge podcaster. Um, because it's really hard to convert social media listeners to podcast listeners at the end of the day. And so I had amassed a lot of fans who liked my videos and micro content and posts and, and poems that I used to write on LinkedIn, but they weren't actually listening to my podcast, but it helped me so much. My LinkedIn presence is a leverage that gave me the opportunity to blow up my podcast and growing that one community gave me the leverage to do so. And if I had not done that, I would have never had leverage that I then brought to the different podcast apps. The reason why we had hockey stick growth in the last six months is because I reached out to Podbean, Podcast Republic, CastBox, Overcast, all these different podcast players. And I said, hey, what's up? My name's Hala. I have a huge LinkedIn following. I'm the biggest podcaster on LinkedIn. I'd love to promote your app or your website or your blog, whatever it was in exchange for you promoting me on your website, your blog, or your app. And let's, and I just traded my audience. I leveraged my LinkedIn audience and everybody said yes. And then I got all this promotion at one time. And we went from getting 4,000, 5,000 downloads a month to 12,000 downloads a day on a regular day. Right. And so we a thousand times, we had like a thousand X growth in the past six months because I was able to leverage my LinkedIn audience. And that is something that you can do for free, right? Growing that LinkedIn community was almost free. I, I did it on the train <laughs> on my commute to Disney is when I, how I grew my LinkedIn. So anybody can do it. Wow. When you were creating this huge presence, what was going through your mind? Like how, how did you get these ideas to do this? And then this, where, where does that come from? Well, I think a lot of it was skill stacking and it's something that I talk about a lot. I mean, I was running social media accounts for businesses for a long time. I had the sorority of hip hop, which was a huge entertainment website that I had in my twenties. Uh, I had 50 female bloggers under me. So I learned how to build websites. I learned about SEO. I wrote a thousand blogs. A lot of those skills transferred them to LinkedIn because I knew how to write. I had to modify it for social media, make it shorter and catchier, but I still knew how to hook people in. I still had great writing skills. I still knew how to tell a story because I had blogged for so long. And then I also was running company accounts. So I actually was running Hewlett Packard's LinkedIn account. And so I had some insight about how to use LinkedIn. I never launched a personal brand, but I kind of took what I learned from the company page and applied it to what I was doing. I had grown profiles on Twitter and Instagram and done uh, hip hop. I was running the hip hop festival um, social media profiles. And so I had experience that I then could like layer on and use for myself once I wanted to launch my personal brand. So really it was just layering on all these different experiences and then experimenting, being consistent, posting every single day to get that immediate feedback. And I did, I posted as soon as I decided I was going to start on LinkedIn, I posted every single day. Like I never missed a day, what, no matter what. And so that instant feedback, I learned everything about the platform. I, I used every single feature. I experimented with automation. I looked at my competitors and what they were doing. I tried to build a proactive community. I knew that content is not the only thing that you need to pay attention to. You also need to pay attention to distribution. So everybody says content is king, content is king. Well, if content is king, then distribution is queen when it comes to social media. And so proactively pulling in my following and building that is something that I did that I don't think many people do or know how to do. And so what I did is I looked at my competitors. I saw 
Gary V was crushing it on LinkedIn. Tony Robbins was crushing it on LinkedIn. Anybody who likes their stuff is going to like my stuff too. My podcast, I thought was just as good, right? So I would reach out to anybody who liked or commented on their posts. And I said, hey, what's up? My name is Hala. I noticed you like Gary V's content. If you like his stuff, you're going to like mine too. I'd love to provide value on your feed. Nine out of 10 people accepted. And then I grew my following. I, I acquired 9,000 of Gary V's fans. Then every time I commented on Gary V's posts, I'd get 100 likes and 100,000 people who uh, saw that post would see my comment. And that uh, attracted people to my page. The other thing is when you DM someone, it triggers relevancy on the platform. And this is platform agnostic. It doesn't matter whether it's Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever it is. If you DM someone, it tells the algorithm that you guys are friends, that you guys talk, that you're relevant. And they always want to promote relevant content to their users to keep them on the app. And so me DMing, I didn't know it at the time, but me DMing all these people, A, it was creating a connection because they felt invested in my journey and that I actually, you know, the first couple of messages maybe may have been automated, but then I responded as a human and talked to the people and made a connection. And then B, it promoted me in their feed because I was relevant according to the algorithm. So uh, those are just some hacks in terms of how to grow your LinkedIn network. I love that. That's such good advice for students because I feel like students underutilize LinkedIn and I, I've been loving just seeing what you've done with it and seeing the great advice that you give. And let's talk a little bit more about your advice because the whole purpose of YAP is to create actionable advice for our listeners by you speaking to experts in their field, people who are literally changing the game in business in science and mindset. So can you touch on why you started Yap with this intention to create this actionable advice for people? Yeah, it's because when I was growing up, I didn't have a resource like this. You know, I, I was an entrepreneur straight out of college. I failed, right? I couldn't monetize my blog. I had to shut it down. I went into corporate. I got promoted several times. And then all of a sudden I felt like I had some success and I felt like I had something to teach. And I also felt like I just wanted to give back, right? I felt like, I have been given a lot of opportunities in my life and my life hasn't been perfect, but compared to other people, like I didn't grow up in poverty or in war or like, like my father did. Right. And I felt like I had every reason in the world to kind of give back in this way. And I really started young and profiting podcasts with very pure intentions. I never thought we would monetize. It literally wasn't even part of the plan. I wanted to just give back and that was really attractive to people to the point where by my second episode, Tim joined the team, who is now my business partner. And, you know, episode three, four, Hisham, Parth, all these other people that you work with on a day-to-day basis joined the team very early because that passion was very attractive and people just wanted to learn and work for the podcast for free and, and support this great mission when it comes to giving back and and providing actionable advice that people can use to improve their professional, professional and personal lives. And that mission helped fuel and grow the team that we have today. And it's just so funny because I always, I was just saying this on another podcast, like good intentions are everything. Like the fact that I had pure intentions is the reason why volunteers wanted to work for the show because I wasn't using them because I was going to do it with or without them. And they knew it, you know? And so they just wanted to be involved. And Um, then once we launched Yap media six months ago, it was so organic. It was so natural. There was so much product market fit. We've scaled it to almost a million dollars in annual recurring revenue. And it's not even six months in, and we haven't done any advertising. And it's literally because we have the social proof. We have the product market fit. We have good intentions. We always had pure intentions and everything just kind of organically happened. And I feel like what a better way to start a business than to start one that has such like strong roots and also like good intentions and always had good intentions. Yeah, that's a great, great answer. And I, I didn't realize how quickly people came in and worked with you because of that. That's incredible. What is it like to be working? Like our team is filled with artists and visionaries and people who are just creating amazing things with and inside and outside of Yap. What is it like to work with these amazing people? Oh my gosh. I love our team. And it's so funny because there's been waves of like young and profiting when I was, when it was volunteers, you know, people would come in and out because it was volunteer work, you know, and I knew that people would go in and out and I, there was nothing against that because you learn and then you kind of learn what you want and, and leave because you're not getting paid. 
now that everyone's getting paid, it's like, it's way different because it's like, I can hold people accountable and, and like people have responsibilities and we have deadlines. It's way different. It used to be super lax. And it's just so funny because I look at how, how crazy this summer was the summer before it was like me and like Parth, essentially the only people left interested in yap working together and in the weeds every day. And then this summer, it's like 40 people working on the podcast and Yap Media. It's just insane, like the difference in a year, like what a year can make. In terms of working with the team, I love being a mentor. I love the fact that we started as volunteers and that like for everybody who started in the beginning, it was like a lot of handholding. And I I really taught people the ropes and taught everyone, you know, how I want our product to kind of come out and the quality of work that we have. And then now people like Peter, who's your direct boss, it's like, I've been working with him for almost three years already. And so he really knows everything in and out in terms of the podcast and can kind of relay that message. And I just love building strong leaders. I'm really all about like one-on-one time, as you know, I, I really like to kind of mentor people. And this is another way for me to give back. I love to be on clubhouse and give back to strangers during podcast office hours. But what I love more is making these like one-on-one connections so that when you, you grow up, Kara, and you become a top podcaster, you look back with only positive things like Hala hooked me up. Hala taught me so much. Hala treated me right. Because the I worked for free for three years for a lady who kicked me to the curb. Like I worked at Hot 97 for three years for free and then they fired me. And I I look at that and I'm like, I would never do that to my employees, especially somebody who I like, I was a hard worker. It's not like I was a, a a slacker, you know, I worked hard like you did. Right. And so I always want to make sure that I treat my employees right. And I do the right things by them. And even if you're an unpaid intern, you know, there's an opportunity for you to become paid if you want to, if you learn and you're doing a good job. So it's really fulfilling. I love being a leader. I've always been a leader and it's one of the most fulfilling things for me is leading this team. That is incredible. I love your responses. I don't (laughs) Sometimes I'm speechless with what you say. It's so inspiring. And I think your mission to serve people with your advice and your expertise is just incredible. I did want to talk about one thing because being a college student, a lot of students are apprehensive about working for free. Like when I first signed on to Yap, they were like, what are you doing? Free internship? What is this? What would you say to students who are considering working for an unpaid internship? Here's the thing. If you're working for an unpaid internship and you're not learning anything, then definitely it's not the right avenue. My role is as soon as somebody can contribute without needing like review and handholding that they should get paid because that's a service that you could pay for. You know what I mean? And, and, and you shouldn't like take advantage of people, especially in a market like this where people are struggling and, and people do need money and things like that. Um, if you are learning, then there is a value exchange happening, right? A lot of the people who work for the podcast, they come here with absolutely no skills. Some people are coming with nursing degrees and they want to be involved with social media where, well, you have to start somewhere. You have to get the training somewhere. You could pay for a course, you could uh, invest in a college program, or you could work for free and get the experience firsthand, which is probably the best way to learn. And it's also a lot of work to train somebody who has no skills and a lot of the team members who are paid. And even myself, I waste, not waste time. I'm investing time in somebody to teach them. And that's my time. And I get paid a lot of money to do that. People will pay for consulting fees for me to teach them. But as an unpaid intern, you get that from me for free in exchange for you working for free and hopefully contributing some sort of value. Right. And so it's a value exchange. Once that exchange is tipped in one way or the other, you know, whether it's an intern that you're training and is not learning, they need to be let go because they, they're, you know, we've given them months and months. They're not contributing. They're not trying hard enough. There's no opportunity to hire them. So we need to let them go. Right. Or it's the opposite. Somebody like you, you're knocking it out the park. You're doing amazing. As soon as that tipped and I was like, you know what, we need Kara and I don't want Kara to leave. I paid you. Right. So it's like, it's just a value exchange. And Um, hopefully you're still learning as an employee, you can still learn as an employee, but as soon as you start to contribute some sort of value, then I think, you know, stand up for yourself and ask, ask to, to get even minimum wage, whatever it is. But like, I think that as soon as that tipping point comes 
to a head, that's when you have a conversation. But if you have no skills and you're learning a new industry or a new skill, just learn. Don't worry about the money. The money is going to come. The money always comes and skills are how you actually earn money. And a lot of these skills that I'm teaching everyone at YAP, you guys are going to be able to take this and go apply for another job at some point and get a great job because you have the experience and the skills. Experiences are worth a lot of money. And I feel that an unpaid internship, a lot of times you do get paid, but it's in other ways. That's really good advice. I know a lot of students my age, like I work for women in business. So this is incredible advice that I'm going to pass along and amazing stuff. But I actually was curious about what does a good day at Young and Profiting look like for you? A good day. Every day is good. And every day is different. Today (laughs) was batching interviews. This is my sixth interview of the day. Um, Now that we're becoming popular, or we are popular, I get asked to be on a lot of shows. And so I need to kind of organize my time. And so I batched interviews all day. Um, Some days are client meetings, some days are, are, you know, whatever it is. But in terms of like my ideal day is to like wake up, do some work on the computer in terms of like catching up with Slack, do a couple of one-on-ones with some of my folks that, like I said, I love one-on-one time with the team. I think it really helps with the culture and moving things forward. Um, being able to record some sort of content piece, whether that's on clubhouse, whether that's a yap live or an actual interview and, um, just like, you know, helping to mitigate any client fires or, or, or talk to our clients, get some feedback. That would be an ideal day for me. That's awesome. What was the best piece of advice that any of your guests that you've had on the show have given you? Oh my gosh. That's so hard. Cause there's so many interviews and honestly, it's so hard to remember. Um, something that I always talk about is skill stacking from Scott Adams. So that obviously stuck with me because I talk about it all the time and that we, I think we talked about it on this episode. So mm-hmm. that's something that really stuck with me. Uh, my, my episode with Tim story was absolutely amazing. We talked about how to overcome grief and death. And, um, it was right after my father passed and that was really great in terms of closure. And I loved everything that he told me in that interview, Robert green was amazing. He wrote the laws of human nature and he taught me something about, uh, death, the law of death denial. And essentially like when you ignore death or act like death doesn't exist, you're more likely to be unmotivated because you don't realize that life is finite. Life has a time limit. Once you start to acknowledge death and realize that it's a real thing, it can actually be a great motivator. And he says, death is the biggest life's motivator. And so that was really impactful to me. And that also helps me realize why my dad passed away in May after my dad passed away in May, we really turned things up and that's when everything exploded for Yap Media. And so I think part of that was taking that lesson and kind of putting it into action um, when I actually had something occur like pretty tragic in my life. So um, those, I would say, are the top top couple of lessons that I had on the podcast. Have your or have your guests changed your mindset and your motivation for Yap, like you said? I feel like I've always been a very motivated person, but I think every time I speak to these amazing people, I think that it reiterates in my brain that anything is possible. Just being able to talk to all of these super, super successful people. And you know, the type of people that we have on Young and Profiting, they're like always (laughs) crazy accomplishments. Everyone is so successful. I'm always the least successful person out of the two people and I'm (laughs) decently successful (laughs) and I'm always like much less successful than these people. So just having those types of people, you need to have a certain mindset in order to achieve that level of success. And so just talking to those people and getting an opportunity to speak to them for an hour and unpack their brains and ask them whatever I want, that has definitely had to have changed me. It has to have, it's just pure positivity for an hour every single week. I also get a crash course on Young and Profiting Podcast. We do so much research and it's always a different topic. It will be like human behavior one week, sleep the next week. It's always bouncing around. And so I end up getting like a crash course in whatever topic. So it just makes me more well-rounded. I learn about the news. I learn about different industries. 
And it makes me be able to like always have a conversation with someone because I'm like, oh yeah, I learned about this, blah, blah, blah. Like it it just keeps things at your fingertips, you know? So I love being a podcaster, learning on those interviews, getting inspired on those interviews. And then also the network piece of it is amazing. My, my guests have become my clients, my mentors, my friends. It's been such an amazing journey. Yeah, that's that's so true. And I think you do a really good job of paying it forward where after the interviews, you always make sure you keep them connected. Even yeah. with the app media, that's how you've gotten so many clients is you've developed this really special relationship by having them on your show. And then you've expanded that. So I think that's an insane, incredible market strategy. Yeah. It's like, I like to keep my connections warm. Um, it's really important. A lot of people think that, you know, you meet somebody once and then they're in your network and like, that's not true. Your network is like whoever you talked to in the last year, like that's how you got to think about it. And so for me, if I really want to keep connections strong after somebody comes on my show, I might in a month or two, first of all, the episode comes out rather quickly. I don't wait six months. Right. So that's important because they'll just forget who you are (laughs) if you do that. So it's like, first things first is, is there like promotion email, right? Mm -hmm. Then maybe I'll invite them on a different podcast and I'll say, Oh, my friend XYZ has a podcast. I'd love for you guys to meet, or, you know, I'll email them an article or, you know, I'll let them know what's new or wish them Merry Christmas, whatever it is, you need to reach out and keep your connections warm um, or engage with them on social media, do something where you're like, Hey, I'm still here and I support you, you know, and then that's your insurance policy. Because if anything goes wrong and you need to reach out to those people, they'll be like, Oh yeah, Hall is awesome. I just talked to her last week. They're not going to be like, who's this girl? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that. Like, you know, so you have to keep your connections warm. That's incredible. Great advice. I'm sharing this all. I'm going to write this down and share it with women in business because <laughs> translate to every, this translates to everyone, even not even podcasters, which is so cool. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about imposter syndrome, because this is something you bring up a lot. I think this is something you've done an incredible job overcoming. I mean, it might be something you're still working on. I don't know, but let's talk about it. So imposter syndrome is feeling like you don't belong, right? Sometimes I still feel that way. You know, I, I just started my journey on clubhouse and I'm a huge influencer on LinkedIn. And that was always my playground. And now I'm playing with people who have millions of followers on Instagram. And some of these people are becoming my friends and I'm hosting rooms with them. And to be honest, sometimes I'm like, am I big enough to be on this panel? Like, I know I'm big on LinkedIn, but I'm nobody on Instagram. Who am I to like be talking w- next to Natasha Grano with 2 million followers or Lauren Tickner with a hundred thousand clubhouse followers. And then I'm like, do I have enough knowledge? I end up knowing even more than they do. Cause I have a whole marketing agency, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I learn about this stuff all the time. And I do have a large influence on LinkedIn. And, and whenever I get those thoughts, I just step back and I'm like, listen, you can't compare apples to apples. I mean, apples to oranges. Being an influencer on Instagram is different than being an influencer on LinkedIn. There's pros and cons to both. I have 80,000 followers on LinkedIn, but there's no bots. It's all real people. My Some of my posts reach 200,000, 300,000 people. No Instagram post is doing that. Who knows if followers are inflated or whatever. I can't compare apples to oranges. I have a real engaged community on LinkedIn and people think of me as an influencer. So if people are inviting me on these panels. I got to just show up and do my best. Right. And so I just try to like step back and, and realize that this negative chatter in your head is totally natural. We're scared to try new things. I'm always never going to feel ready. I've always never felt ready. And sometimes you just got to like suck it up and just do it, you know? And so that's pretty much what I just have done my whole life is like, if I feel nervous, like I'm not ready, I just say yes. Anyway, I just do it anyway. And I do my best. And usually that's good enough. And the more you do that, the more it will get, you'll get used to it and used to it. And then when you attend, like, I'm going to attend those panels over and over until I'm like, this is just like yesterday. I could do this. No problem. I did this before. Right. It's just the first couple of times are tough. So Imposter syndrome sucks. Everybody goes through through it, especially women, right? Women really, really struggle with this a lot. I think the best thing that you can understand, and one of the, this is something I learned on a podcast episode, I'm not sure who, but part of the disconnect with imposter syndrome is just learning a new 
dictionary or glossary of terms. So for example, when I got to Disney, I had never been in streaming services. I'd never done, uh, they recruited me because of my podcast, which was like loosely oriented to streaming. And before that, I was in a very traditional marketing role. I was the most tech savvy person on my team at Hewlett Packard. I went to Disney streaming and I was so behind in terms of my knowledge, which is surprising to anybody, anybody who knows me would be like, what? But yeah, I, I felt behind. And it was because I didn't know all these terms. It was just 50 words that I didn't know about subscriber acquisition, retention, life cycle, all these words. I had no idea what they meant. And it was so intimidating. It turns out if you just learn those 50 words, like that's all you need to know. Like, you know what I mean? A lot of these situations that you're in is, is literally just a little bit of knowledge will get you a long way. So like learning the the terms of the industry, you'll immediately feel like you're up to speed. It's like those little things, like when you're in a meeting and you don't know what an acronym means or what a word means, as soon as you get those glossary of words down, everything is so much easier. And that's how it is in every aspect of life. And so if you're feeling like an imposter, it just means that you have a little bit more learning to do. And even learning the core 10, 20% of what you need to learn, you'll feel like you're on the same playing field, at least once you do that little gap of knowledge and then kind of close that gap of knowledge. Mm, that's really good advice. And I think people get so stressed out about that because it seems so foreign, but then once those words just come through and you actually learn that it's like a whole door is open. And that's how I was with podcasting. I think it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit more about clubhouse because that is really new. I mean, we clubhouse came out in only the end of 2020, I think. So what has that experience been like? Oh my gosh. Clubhouse is amazing. I spend like two hours a day on that app. There's so much organic growth. Um, I have the same amount of Instagram followers on there. I've been on Instagram for years, not very active, but in two months I have the same more clubhouse followers just because I've been like kind of active on that app and I love it. It's the feature of podcasting. Essentially, if you guys don't know what it is, it's a audio app, um, only audio. You can't even direct message. It trickles down to Instagram, Instagram and Twitter are the only things you can link out to. So what happens is that if you moderate rooms, you'll get an influx of Instagram followers. So it kind of like feeds other platforms, which is really cool. The other cool thing about it is that I'm expanding and accelerating my network so fast. So like I said, I'm an influencer on LinkedIn. Being on Clubhouse, I met all these podcast influencers on Instagram and TikTok and Clubhouse itself, right? There's some podcasters who have no other platforms other than Clubhouse that they're rocking it at. And where all these influencers are meeting each other. And then all of a sudden, like all these opportunities are popping up because I'm meeting people so fast. It used to take weeks and weeks to meet this many people. Now I'll be in a room and like Grant Cardone will be on stage with me or David Meltzer or all these people on stage with me. And the other thing is that it really helped me because I've made all these connections on the podcast where, for instance, David Meltzer, we just brought him up. He's been on Yap twice. We do even, we do ad buys for him at Yep Media. Like we, we know each other really well. So if he's in a room, he's pulling me up and everyone's like, well, who's Hala? Like, you know, she's nobody on Instagram. How the hell does David Meltzer know her? Right. Mm -hmm. And so all these things keep happening because I have made real life connections. And then those connections look out for me when I'm on clubhouse. And it kind of just shows like who's who for real, not just based on their following on social media. So it's been amazing. I consider it an investment of time, not a sacrifice of time, because I know 10 months from now, it's going to be really hard to acquire a following on Clubhouse, whereas now there's like lots of organic growth. It's a very immature platform and there's lots of time to kind of capitalize on it right now. So that's why I'm pressuring you, Kara. Let's go. Let's get some <laughs> Clubhouse training. Yeah, that is so true. And I think it's definitely an interesting way for me as a listener to see, because I hear these amazing people coming together and communicating. And so I'm really excited to see where Yap goes and hopefully where I go on Clubhouse. And yeah, Clubhouse definitely, can be fun. Yeah, definitely a new venture. Where is Yap going? What are your goals for Young and Profiting as a whole? Oh my gosh. First of all, we're being inundated with sponsorships, which is so new and exciting. So 
just figuring that whole piece of our business out. Um, I think that we're going to become the middlemen between influencers and sponsors, especially for podcasts. I think there's a big open space for that. And somehow we are attracting all these sponsors and we're going to make deals with clubhouse clubs and rooms and figure out how to monetize clubhouse. Also, I'm going to be pivoting a bit. We were focusing a lot on YouTube. YouTube is stagnant in terms of its growth. It's really hard. It's really expensive. It's a lot of time. And so I'm going to pivot our resources from YouTube to TikTok. And we're really going to be focusing on TikTok this year. The other thing is like lots of photo shoots, my, my pictures and things like that go viral on LinkedIn. And so investing in a lot of photo shoots and and professional videos and things like that. So we have just more content. I'm going to be doing a TEDx in June. So continuing to do speaking engagements, running podcast uh, festivals in terms of uh, headlining podcast festivals. And we're maybe putting on a live event soon. Uh, We're going to start with a virtual event that's going to be like training and do like a mastermind type thing. And then eventually it will be a live event. So, so much going on, going to write a book. Also want to start a podcast network. A lot of the uh, people on our, our team are podcasters like you, Kara and Ava, potentially starting a podcast network where some of the people who work for me are in our network and get some marketing budget or something along those lines. And so all these things are a possibility. There's so much going on right now. I think step number one is we're such a new company. We're growing so fast. We have 40 employees and I need to figure out our benefits package. So that's like, <laughs> that is like a one of huge priority because we need to figure that out. We're growing so fast. It's been six months. I mean, we couldn't, I couldn't do it all. And now finally I'm an entrepreneur for the first time full time. Yeah. And we've got to get it together. So just so excited. So much growth, so much potential. You went full-time in February, February. right? Yeah. Okay. That's incredible. I saw the lo- notification on LinkedIn and I was like, she did it. She made the jump. Oh my How gosh. Was that? How was I that? I mean, it was incredible. crazy. To give your listeners some context, I started Yap Media six months ago. I was an executive at Disney. At the time I started Yap Media, maybe we had like 15 people working for the show. Over the summer, I scaled that to like 35. I had people working full-time for me in the Philippines. I had a U.S. full-time employee and like 12 part-time employees. And I was still working at Disney streaming services. (laughs) I don't know how I did it. I worked like a dog. Honestly, I worked through the weekends. I worked 18-hour days. And now that I'm a full-time entrepreneur, I can finally breathe. I can finally be strategic. I can finally plan the day how I want it to. I did six interviews today at Disney. I used to have to, it would just be running around meeting, meeting, meeting. Okay. Now it's time to get dressed, do an interview. Okay. Meeting, meeting, meeting. It was terrible. You know, now I get to really plan my day strategically and be more efficient and also just have time to think, relax, work out, have a balance. Um, It was worth it. I don't regret any of it. I side hustled for three years and it helped me get to where I am today. And that hard work, I would never regret because I think everything that is worth something is, is, you know, you go about it through hard work, but I'm really happy to like, be able to not necessarily slow down, but have more control, just have more control and more efficiency over my schedule. It's been amazing. I can stop and I can plan a workout at 1 PM in the afternoon. Like it's amazing. Like when you're working full time, it's like you lose so much of yourself and and your freedom. And I just love having this freedom now. What do you do to not escape your work, but find that balance? I love to work out. So I always work out. I love to walk my dogs, be outside, get some sunlight, take a walk, hang out with my uh, mom like, and spend time with her, spend time with my cousins, my niece. Like, I just like to, to do just simple things. You know, I don't have like a meditation practice or anything like that. I just work out and spend time with the people that I love. Those are like my main ways to relax. That's the best way. Yeah. Amazing. Let's dive. I have a couple more questions, but I wanted to dive into your purpose at Yap and just what you've been doing. How has this experience of cultivating this purpose kind of stuck with you, even when it was only a side hustle? You know, for a while, we weren't monetizing young and profiting podcasts for a long time. Um, 
And the way that I kind of kept myself going is through the feedback of my listeners. I would actually more so then than now. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm not approachable anymore, but I used to get inundated with LinkedIn messages about how Young and Profiting has changed their life, how they're addicted wow. to the show, how I help them get a new job or how I help them get the confidence to start a new hobby or a side hustle, how I feel like I've converted hundreds of podcasters in terms of people who are inspired by me being a podcaster. I don't know how many messages I got. Like, oh, I've seen all your success. I'm going to be a podcaster too now. I maybe got that message a hundred times that I inspired someone and them going super deep about how my story personally inspired them. And, and that really helped me keep going because even when we weren't monetizing, I knew that I was impacting lives. And I just always went back to like, and you even see it when I give you guys feedback on research, I'm always like, how can we make this relatable? How can we make this actionable? I want people to learn. I don't want this to be about me. I want this to be about the listener. And I always go back to that because when you serve people and you have good intentions, you get that back tenfold, you know? And so my whole goal is to have the best content possible and to provide max value in the little littlest amount of time for our listeners. And keeping true to that has, has enabled us to become the number one education podcast because we, it's not about money. It was never about money. It was always about educating people and just doing the right thing. The money will come, right? when you do the right thing, the money will just come because you'll just create such a demand for what you have. And that's what we did. Now sponsors are coming at us left and right. Yeah. Media, we have perfect product market fit. We don't even advertise. We just get clients nonstop. We have a waiting list, so much demand. We can't even take on all the clients that want to be our clients. And it's all because we have that social proof. It's all because we had good intentions. We had a mission. We delivered on it. And that's how we do it, Young and Profiting Podcast. So, so I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it does. And I think it all it all comes back to good intentions, which you've mentioned a lot. And I think that's how you, you've become so successful and such a resource for people who are looking for networking advice, who are looking for those experts. And you really provide that, which is incredible. Thank you. So I have two more questions. My first okay. question is, what advice would you give to your 21-year-old self? <laughs> I would tell her to keep on going. When I was 21, I was a black sheep in my family. Everybody thought I was going to be the least successful person in my family. And I'm definitely the most successful, I think. And um, it was because I was listening to people who haven't gone where I wanted to go. You can't take advice from people, even if they love you. When I started young and profiting podcast, even, even though I was making six figures already working at HP and everybody told me like, what are you doing? Why are you going back to this? Like, didn't you already, you know, close, like, didn't you always close this story? You close this chapter in terms of the entertainment piece of your life. Like, why are you going back to this? I was told I was immature. I was told that I would never succeed, that this podcasting market was saturated and I had a lot of naysayers and a lot of people at work um, kind of would always joke around like, why are you doing that? Or like, wh wh where do you see this going? And thank God I didn't listen to them. Right. And even when I started Yap Media, I had people that loved me telling me, how could you let go of this amazing career when I wanted to quit my job? One of the reasons why it took me so long is because a lot of people who loved me were like, what are you doing? You can't throw this away. Like you built this career. You can't just throw it away now. You can't start a business in COVID now. Who do you think you are? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I didn't listen to them. Right. And when I was 21, I used to listen to the naysayers and not every single time, because I don't think I would have amassed the success that I did, but in the times that I failed and, and was rejected or, or kind of gave up, it was because other people told me to give up. Like when I shut down the blog site, I had massive pressure from my family and everybody being like, okay, game over, go be normal now, go get a real job. Right. And so had I not listened to them, who knows where I'd be right now. If I had just continued on my path, I took a four year break from podcasting related things from radio. I took a four year break. Imagine if I never took that break. I only took that break to fit in. 
I only took that break because I wanted the respect and love from my family. And the only way I could get that is by having a normal job, apparently. And they only started trusting me once I had a normal job. And then I was like, well, I'm paying for my life. So you have no say in any of my decisions, right? So follow your gut, follow your dreams. Don't take advice from people who don't know where you're going and who have never been where you want to go. I only take my advice from people like Jordan Harbinger, who's a top podcaster that I want to be like, Heather Monahan, who's a speaker like I want to be like. Those are the people I take advice from because they've been where I want to go. I'm not going to take advice from my mom, who's been a housewife her whole life. How is she going to give me business advice? I love her. I'll take her cooking advice any day, but like, I'm not going to take her business advice because she, even though she loves me, she doesn't know what I have inside me. She's never been down that road before. So that's the advice that I would give to my 21 year old self. Listen to yourself first, and then you don't need to go it alone. But if you do take advice, take it from somebody who has already been where you want to go. Incredible advice that, yeah, that's amazing. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. I have one final question. I asked all of my guests. I hope it stumps you because you stump a lot of your guests with the deep research that you do, but, um, going places started as a travel podcast. So I stay true to it for my final, final question. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you not go? Where would I not go? Yeah. That's so interesting. (laughs) Where would I not go? Hmm. I would not go. If I could go anywhere in the world, where would I not go? New York City, even though that's where I live for so long, because I can't stand the dirtiness of it. I can't stand the garbage on the floor. It is so crowded, especially in COVID. That's the last place I would want to be because it's dirty. People aren't very friendly. It's crowded and it's not green. It's not beautiful. And in COVID, there's not much to do. And so that's why we left the city as soon as we could. And one of my most things that I'm so happy about is that I will never have to take the subway again. Now that I'm a (laughs) full-time entrepreneur, taking the subway was miserable. If you've ever had to take the New York city subway, it is the most miserable thing in the world. So that is the one place I would definitely never go to if I had the chance. (laughs) Great answer. I did not expect that from you, but I didn't (laughs) stump you. So I'm a little bit disappointed. (laughs) Okay. Well, I wanted to thank you so much for being on my show. You've had so much incredible advice and I'm literally so inspired by your work and what I do at Young and Profiting. I, I wake up excited to work for you guys every single day. Oh, Kara, you're doing such an amazing job. Thank you so much for all your hard work. I'm so honored to be on your show and I can't wait to see how far you go. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. That was my conversation with Hala Taha. Again, I really hope you learned a lot and gained a lot of insight on her experience and just everything she sacrificed to build Young and Profiting. She really has incredible advice and just an incredible story, and I'm constantly inspired by what she does. Young and Profiting is a wonderful place to work. If you liked this episode, please feel free to check out my other amazing guests. I have interviewed so many incredible people, and I really love doing this. Um, You can also please feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, wherever you use social media. Thanks again for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. Bye.